gentlemen, boys and girls, and cats of all ages, we, it is now episode number 51 of the Development Hell podcast, coming to you, if you're listening on the stream live, if not, you're listening to after the fact when Ed has gotten his act together, um, gotten out of the fetal position, and edited the podcast. <clears throat> We've been together, thanks so much for all the nice words that people had to say about the 50th one that we just did. Um, I had a lot of fun with Ed going through all the old episodes. But the uh, you know the show goes on, and uh, I'm starting to feel some pressure, some of the other um, copy cat podcasts that have sprung up uh, inspired by our awesomeness um, are starting to catch up in total so I guess Ed and I have to start recording more frequently but this is episode number 51 um, I have with me as always Ed Ed are you there I am here yes <clears throat> and I uh, apologies for my voice I think I'm working on a bit of a cold so um, I'll have to see how that goes I'm, I'm also about to go on vacation um, so it's not good to be not good not good to be sick when you're about to go on vacation I'm going down to Florida so hopefully I catch some decent weather when I'm there are you going on a permanent vacation like Aerosmith? No, sir. Um, but, uh, but as a little segue before we get to the sponsors, um, permanent vacation was the first CD that I ever bought. Is that right? It is. <clears throat> I had been saving up money, and I guess I was almost 17, and we were moving from the house that I grew up in to, mm-hmm. where, my, to where my parents live now. And um, before we, before uh, we moved, I got told I could take some of my money out of the bank that I've been saving up, and I bought myself a TV, and I bought myself like one of those all-in-one stereo units that had yep. uh, tape deck and um, a tape deck and a record player and a CD player in it. So I bought that, mm-hmm. and I bought Permanent Vacation as my first CD. So you were like thirty-five? Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thirty-five, still living at home in the basement. Anyway. Not much different from now. I'm down in the basement, and I can. Yep. Live, I guess I could live in here if I had to. If I if I act like a big enough asshole to my wife, I guess I could sleep on the couch permanently. Anyway, uh, so when we get into our wonderful sponsors for tonight's podcast, sorry, I was laughing. Yeah, I know you're laughing. Keep going. <laughs> keep going, asshole. <laughs> All right. So we've got a couple sponsors, and the first is a, a new sponsor to. Uh, to uh, development hell and that's offload.io and uh i uh looked at their website and i think it has something to do with shipping uh like shipping lanes i think that and um i think it might have something to do with international uh piracy i I think you're being slightly fooled by the the awesomeness of the graphics i think i think what offload.io actually is about is about people um Basically, uh, contracting and subcontracting out work. It's like kind of like a um, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this, like a job board for electronic job board, where you have some work that you need somebody to do, short term contracts, or you're doing freelance work, you need some help, so you want to subcontract out some of the stuff that you're doing. Looks right. like Offload.io is a invitation only um, website for trying to match people who need need small bits of freelance work done with people who are looking to do some freelance stuff. So it's brought to you by our awesome friend of the show, Lee Tenjum, out in, I don't know, he's out in BC. I don't think it's Vancouver. I keep wanting to say it's in the Okanagan Valley somewhere. It only means something to Canadians. Ed has no idea. It might as well be in outer space. Um, but I do yeah. know But I do know Lee, he does Pancake App as his uh, main gig, and he's trying to get this offload.io thing up and going. Yeah, and I think the sh- No, are all the jobs about pancakes? I don't know. It would be kind of cool if they were. Yeah, okay. Do you think there are pancakes in those boxes on the ship? 
Well, hopefully they're like vacuum sealed so that it lasts uh, when you're on a slow boat from yeah. China. You know, it takes a couple of weeks to make it across the Pacific. Hopefully they'll still be uh, still be fresh when they pop out of the uh, when they pop out of the seal. Do Canadians have their pancakes made in China, but they have their syrup? Like, just tap a tree right outside? No, no, there's humongous tariffs on imported pancakes, so we make them all uh, We make them all domestically. Oh, that's true. Yeah, isn't there, like, some kind of Canadian pancake content amount that you have to have? Yep, um, two out of every five pancakes must be Canadian. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. All right. Yeah, so offload.io, uh, you go there, you uh, join this uh, little club, and I, I think there's, like, a password you have, and, like, everybody wears masks. <laughs> and you, it's like a, you have to, you took a taxi like way far out of the city and you went to this mansion and it says offload IO and they ask you for a passphrase. And somebody gave you a passphrase like it was written down on a piece of paper you found in somebody's coat. And you say it and uh, they let you in and then it's just really weird and you don't, don't understand what's going on. And it's sort of like an erotic journey, but you don't know if you're supposed to be there, but everybody has a mask on so nobody can see what's going on. And uh, I think it's like that. Aren't you confusing? That sounds like the plot for Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, that happens a lot, actually. <laughs> is, that one, is that a movie that you and your wife like to watch all the time? We've watched it. I haven't watched it in a while, actually. Uh, it's a weird movie. Set that one up for date night. Yeah, we should have a date night. <laughs> hey, honey, let's watch, let's watch the cool orgy scene from Eyes Wide yeah. Shut. Yeah. Let's watch this difficult marriage fall apart in real time. Yeah. Oh no, oh no, that's not that's not in the movie. That's just in the actual relationship. All right, keep going. Yeah, who's, right. the, who's the next sponsor? Okay, the uh, the uh, next sponsor is a uh, Eva or um, I have. Oh wait, this is upside down. No, Rove is uh, the. Uh, that's what is that? Rove. Ro, Ro Ave. Is that, isn't that? Yeah, Rove. Rove. Oh yeah, Rove Avenue. Rove Avenue. I, I thought it was like the. Isn't there a B fifty two song named Rove? Like Rove, where you want? No, that's to. Rome, where you want to. Oh my bad. Um, that's a good song though. Do you? Uh, uh, no, you're in the B fifty twos now, right? Yes. <clears throat> yes, I'm the I'm the new bass player. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, so that must be fun. It is a lot of fun. Uh, I like that. And I also work for Rove. Yes, they are. They are my current employer. I like that Rock Lobster song. It's a good song. So, um, so Rove, I think, is a B fifty twos cover band, and my understanding is that they are playing uh, a party at ZenCon. Yes, we're uh, we'll be working not the main stage, but the the backstage near the midway. Oh, that's nice. So yeah. it's like a secondary stage. Yeah. That's nice. So the headliners are at the main stage. Yes, headliners at the main stage. Yeah, right. And I'm also there working on my um, my solo stuff as well. At, uh, oh, that's nice. It's like a spoken word slam poetry thing about uh, about testing. So it could be kind of yeah. interesting. It's yeah, a little experimental. Fun. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it out. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. That sounds like a good Actually, time. that actually would be an awesome presentation, actually, to do slam poetry about testing. <laughs> it's going to be different, and I think it's a talk I would only be able to give once. They come at you with facades. <laughs> you can't test those. Yes, and call and response with the audience. It would be either be awesome or really awkward. I'm not sure which one. Uh, my experience is usually that the audience does not like participating. 
<laughs> well, maybe just the topics you want to go over, they don't feel like talking about because it makes them uncomfortable yeah. and, and, and facing certain truths about themselves. But we talk about Rove. Yes, Rove is my, uh, Rove is my mm-hmm. employer. Please yep. say some more nice things about Rove, okay. please, Ed. Um, well, the people there are nice. And um, they, uh, they are good with keyboards. They can type fast. They type up to 40 words per minute. Um, so any kind of data entry that you need or um, spell checking or like uh, dictation. So I think that's a new thing they're getting into where you record uh, something on, the, on a, a cassette and then you can mail that to them at their P.O. box. And in four to six weeks, they will return you a letter up to one page. Um, and there's an introductory rate of nine ninety five for that. Also, they do PHP development. Um, so if you have like a application and you're like, you know, this is doing okay, but it could be better. You know, we want it to be faster, and maybe people will stop breaking into it eventually, and uh, things of that nature. And then you call in this team from Rove, and they come in with their typewriters and their punch cards, and they type things up, and then they get out the punch card things, and they get the punch card stuff, and they put that into your computer in the slots. Everybody knows, you know, computers have slots. And you put put the cards in there. And then um, that optimizes... Uh, the refactorability of your application. You know, I had a hard time finding the punch card reader to micro USB adapter. It was pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, that's the kind of special hardware uh, that you uh, get with Rove. Uh, they uh, bring their own uh, punch card reader. Um, they have their own. Mon- they have a, a truck that has uh, like four twenty-inch CRT monitors on it like on a flatbed and they just come in and they work and they just work outside. It's kind of weird actually because they stay out there like overnight. So they'll be there for like two weeks. Um, and then they sort of set up a pup tent at night to, uh, just kind of be shielded a little bit from the, uh, from the elements anyway. Um, but, uh, so they're really, really good with PHP and, um, also dictation. So, if you have needs in either of those areas, uh, you should talk to them. And yeah, they if you have extensive handwritten notes that you need transcribed, hit me up on Twitter, and I'll, I'll, hook, can, I'll hook you up with a yeah. promo code. They can handle that for you. <clears throat> All right, so enough about our sponsors, because we've blown through their money already on strippers, yes, and, strippers and steak. So let's right. let's get on to the reason why we have the show today. So today, our uh, extra very special guest is Dead Lugosi otherwise known as Margaret Staples. Sorry to make you mute yourself for so long, Margaret. That's all good. <laughs> I know you you're probably I, well, unintentionally funny, as I like to call it. <laughs> uh, so, yes, yeah, so we have uh, we have Margaret on the show. Um, I'm trying to think about why, because that's always the <laughs> <laughs> It's cool. Ed and I got together and um, this before you got here. I know. I was a little yeah. bit late. I'm just, I'm just trolling. Um, Margaret is going to be appearing at my awesome PHP-centric conference, True North PHP. Um, she will be talking about uh, Sensio 2. Oh, sorry, Symphony yeah. too, and um, and uh, like all the guests that we have on, Margaret has a very interesting life. So we're going to force her to uh, talk about 
what she does and um, and just her thoughts on everything. Like we told her, it's pretty freewheeling, so we're just going to get right into it. Let me go look at the notes here. So, uh, so yeah, so as far as I can tell, based on your, uh, like I when I do a little bit of stalking slash research, um, you are <laughs> big on uh, game programming. So are, are you talking like desktop games or mobile games or we're talking web only? Like what's what's your preferred preferred platform under which to develop games? Well, um, I personally really enjoy writing big buckets of back-end logic. And then when I have to go make a UI, I kind of cry a little bit um and it's not because i don't like making visual things i enjoy making visual things a great deal it's just such a huge gear shift and the demands for doing front end stuff is so very different that i i i hate i hate switching focus and that's true for all things i think i'd probably be really happy if i could just do one thing really well for a thousand years before i had to switch because i'm a control freak perfectionist like that but like Given my background in web development, that's mostly where I've stuck. But one of the cool things about working with other humans is I, in addition to making my the game I'm working on right now, I'm making the back end and I'm making a web client for it. Um, but I'm also making an API that um, uh, somebody else is making a Unity front end for it. So even though I have the limitations of how quickly I can learn things, I can package it up in such a way that somebody else can make alternate interaction mediums for it which is very freeing and i enjoy it a great deal so i want you to talk a bit about the game stuff that you're working on oh i would love to i am making this game it's called brunaleski age of architects and um it's a social strategy uh city builder rpg set in the renaissance um and it's uh free to play and totally in beta right now and you should go play it and it's located at brunegame.com that's b r u n e g a m e.com please play my game um and it's really it's really awesome in that it has a lot of depth to it i don't know if you ever played any uh bbs games like legend of the red dragon or any trade like wars the- baby <laughs> awesome awesome so you know how like games back before they had a lot of emphasis on graphics, they would give you this all this content depth, like lots of stuff you could do so that you could play with your friends for a really long time without stopping. Yep. Like years. Well, that's kind of what I loved <laughs> about gaming, um, as opposed to just like quick little reflex tests, which is fun too. It's just not how I got into the whole concept of gaming as an entertainment medium. So Brunelleschi is really much more about having um, a platform on which you can really dig in and play for a really long time without stopping. Like, it, and, it, and there's a lot of stuff you can pick from. Like, If you want to go adventure, you can go adventure. And if you want to like work on building an economy with other players, you can work on building or dominating an economy. If you, and you can work on government stuff or you can work on role-playing stuff. I mean, there's just a lot to it because that's what I like about gaming is just having a whole lot of flexibility and stuff that you can really dig into uh, mentally and and interact with other people through that really complex and engaging medium. So is the game set up to be like a long running one or can you play quick ones and restarting? Like what, like what's your goal? Is it one of the things where you want people to sign up and play with your friends and the environment and, you know, the game world is such that you can play over an extended period of time or is it more focused that distinct small little games and then just repeat oh, no, and try long. different it's stuff? Very yeah, long. Very it's long. very long play. The beta has been out since January. It's the exact same game world. Um, 
the every settlement, uh, which is what we call cities, because it's sort of the Renaissance concept of a city, which also includes like farming fields and the external roads and ports and that sort of thing. Um, so we call it a settlement. But all of those are, are player built, and those take months and months to really build up uh, a sizable. I mean, you start out with farms. If you want to start a brand new settlement with your friends, the first thing that you have is you have you have the fields district and in that fields district you're going to want to make some farms because when you're talking about building up civilization in the renaissance first thing first you got to eat um but yeah you 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 grow these you can grow these settlements if if you're one of the government builder types over the course of years honestly we haven't run it that long yet but theoretically you could you could be building this settlement up with your friends over the course of years and you've got total authority over local markets you've got you've got limited authority over the global markets you can do personal trades you can do diplomacy and there's just there's it's it's a lot of depth and it's all about what it's all about building civilization with your friends like um in a settlement there's a sovereign who's the titular head of the organization but that sovereign can and honestly at a certain size of settlement kind of has to get some friends to take over districts in that settlement and govern those districts as ministers because these things get so big and so complicated and there's so much to them and I'm only like halfway done with the feature set you can follow along with me and totally interact with me through the forums and kind of shape how the rest of the features get put into the game but even with only about half of the features in the game there's just a crazy amount of cool stuff to do alright so you know you're going to have to comp me and Ed and we'll do a dev hell settlement on there somewhere Yep. do it please absolutely <clears throat> That would yes. be awesome. I would love to have you join uh, join in the mix, and it's totally free, so I don't have to comp you anything. <laughs> yeah, didn't I report? I, I think I remember when you were first pushing stuff out, I reported a bug. Then I love you forever because bug reports are the best. That. I actually give out um, 10 platinum, which um, are the hardest. They're, they're the hardest material in the game to get because platinum is what you can trade the game for various resources. It's how, you, it's how we make sure that there never becomes a choke point that people can't get past because you can always just pile up enough of one thing to exchange it to the game for some platinum, which you can then exchange for anything else in the game. All right. Um, and I give out 10 of those every week to someone who submits bug reports because while we're in beta, bug reports are my favorite thing ever. That, wow, really? Oh, bug yeah. reports are usually my least favorite thing. I love fixing things. Well? And then once they're fixed, I love it when things work. Are we still there? I'm yes. still here. Did I'm you just lose me, though? No. Never you got mind. crackly. I got crackly? Huh, Weird. You got crackly. You all got crackly. Sorry. Well, that's cool that you like bug reports, though. I mean, somebody's got to like it, I guess. Did you ever play this game, Merchant Prince? Oh, maybe we did lose Margaret. Uh-oh. How about now? Have you lost me now? Hey, you're back. Yay, I'm back. What happened? Um, I I fiddle with things that are in my hands, and what was in my hands was the mute control. Oh, I've, I do that. I totally do that big time. Yeah, I get nervous, and I talk too much, and I fiddle with things with my hands. Sorry. No, no. no, yeah, no, no, no. Talking too much is not a problem. But probably <laughs> hitting mute is might be an issue if you can't hear you. So the bottom line is, Brunicelli, Age of Architects, is a is it turn-based? Um, Brunelleschi, Age of Architects, and it's not really... It's 
it's not really turn based. I want to say it's timer based because like you have action points that you can spend on various things and those action points regenerate kind of constantly, but it takes about 12 hours for them to completely come back if you spend them all the way down to zero. So in that way, your partic- your interaction with the game is time controlled, but there's not a specific turn. Way to go getting the name wrong, Chris. <laughs> it's Brunelleschi, Age of Architects. And Brunelleschi was a real human being. Like I said, yep. Brunelleschi, Age of Architects. No, Brunelleschi. I mispronounced it for like the first year that it was named that. We actually had <laughs> we nice. had a player correct us. That is which awesome. Is awesome. Which no, is the awesome. Which is awesome. No, the correct answer to the player is fuck you. This is how it's pronounced. And you just go with it and say, I'm not, I'm not sure that you have a strong player relationship spirit in you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That hurts. That really hurts. So, oh, I asked, did you ever play this game called uh, Merchant Prince? It's an old DOS game from like the early 90s. And I said no and then asked if it was awesome. Okay, yeah, I didn't hear any of that. That's a shame. I didn't hear it either. So it didn't uh, happen. Yeah, but anyway, it is awesome, and you should try to play it. I think they have it on GOG.com. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, do, 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 just play something in the background while I'm looking for this. You should really make singing part of your... Uh, Part of your presentations, I think it would add something. I think you're right. No, there's a reason Ed's music is instrumental. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Uh, let's see here. Oh, there was also, I think there was sort of a re-release of it called Machiavelli the Prince. Uh, that was sort of like a redone version of it. Yeah, I've read the book based on that game. Oh, yeah, that is. It's a great <laughs> book, isn't it? I like to see it when they expand the universe. I like prefer that. the original in Italian. all right enough about margaret jesus christ let's go on to the next uh topic here also trade wars is something i played uh um back in the day on bbs and and talk about the old school games i one of the actually games that i that i really really enjoyed playing um pre-internet um, was for the Apple computers um, a game called Wizardry. I don't know if anyone, if I don't know Ed, if Ed's yeah, ever heard of, of it. Of course, that no, that's one of the most famous RPG series. <clears throat> oh man, I loved yep. that game, and I remember, um, I remember a buddy of mine who played it had this awesome like cheat guide of, but it was more like telling you where to find things inside the game, but not like you actually had to play out the game in order to win at it. So. So it wasn't like cheat codes that would give you... These people were smart who made the game, and they put cheat codes in there so you could like create ultimate characters and stuff, but you still actually had to play out the game. You couldn't give yourself like indestructibility or anything. So I remember he showed me the book, and then I remember finding... Uh, uh, there was a coupon in the back of the book, so you could order another copy of it. So I remember I went to the po- I went to the to the post office and actually got a money order, and then like sent the money order away and waited like six to eight weeks for this book to show up. And then I remember the book showing up, and I was like, "This is fucking awesome!" And uh, playing Wizardry with the cheat codes, it was awesome. So Wizardry is a cool game. I wonder if you probably find it these days with an emulator to play. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, and they did a bunch of Wizardry games. Yep, so. I seem to remember like three of them or something. But this is like this is. Uh, oh, there were at least nine. This yeah, is. I'm pretty sure that I played an emulator of Wizardry Eight. Yeah, because I'm trying to awesome. think when I, when I played it, it was like I was in like grade six, seven, and eight. So that's a long, long time ago when I was like 
12, 13, 14 years old. So that's like 30 years ago. So it was pretty awesome, though. Late 70s. Wizardry. Uh, I remember it had these those neat like uh, line drawing 3D yes. graphics in it. Too. Yep. I mean, I think, I think Wizardry today could be like a really awesome like mobile game. Agreed. Uh, yeah, it could. You could Absolutely. do the, those those kind of three D line graphics wouldn't be too uh, wouldn't be too taxing uh, for the uh, Cray computer masquerading as an iPhone that I have sitting <laughs> that I have sitting next to me. I have my iPhone six and I got a case for it too, so now it's somewhat protected. You're too tasking. Yeah, I know. I don't know what that means. I know. Anyway, um, yeah, I I have a lot of video games and old computers. Yeah, I remember. The one, actually, the episode where you talked about the emulation stuff was actually one of my favorite ones that we've done. It was good times. I'm looking right now, and I've got a, a, a bookshelf, and one shelf just has Intellivision games on it. Um, did, did, I, did I ever, did, on that episode, did I tell you what me and my buddies did in high school with Intellivision basketball? Did I ever tell you about that? No, 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 no. Totally. Okay, so we can talk about just a little, just, sorry, Margaret, just a little diversion before we get on, <laughs> before we get on to Strange Loop. Um what we used to do during the NCAA basketball tournament, um, a bunch of us would get together one weekend towards the end, not quite when it was the Final Four, but probably the weekend before that, and we would play out the NCAA tournament using the Intellivision basketball game. It was like a three-on-three thing. And so what you could do is you could actually set up teams and set budgets, and you could purchase players within the game. So we, I, we sat down and figured out that a one-seed would get these many dollars and a two or three and all that stuff. So we could actually t- right. try to handicap the teams and we right. would play and we would play out the whole tournament, like stay up to like three in the morning, uh, field on like pop and, and pizza and play all 63 games. Wow. Yeah. So you, you were like 35 when that? No, I was in my early forties when I did that. Okay. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get on to the next topic. Uh, <laughs> Other than God, Ed's killing me today, he, I think he's just giving it to me because I was late for recording today. <laughs> <A little bit. laughs> uh, so the next thing we want to talk about was um, Strange Loop. Um, so Strange Loop, for those that don't know, that's is, a Depeche Mode song, right? It, it is Strange, strange Loop. Loop, crazy <laughs> old languages, Strange. Loop. <laughs> <laughs> and I was doing like Rick Astley type of hand motions and dancing in my Herman oh, Miller way. Aaron chair while I was doing. It. Actually, I'm still kind of now. I'm doing the hustle. It's actually kind of it's kind that's of a scary not, visual. That is that is not You'll what Dave Gahan does. No, not a chance. So <laughs> so Strange Loop is a conference that's I I think this is the third year that they've done it. I think third oh, or at fourth, least, third at or least, fourth. Yeah. It's in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, bas- basically, it's a conference that, and and Margaret can correct me because she's actually been to one of these things, um, is about programming languages mostly, and and not really mainstream ones. I mean, I know that my the first time I ever heard of uh, Closure was from a presentation that Rich Hickey did at Strange Loop uh, that was recorded, and that was my first uh, exposure to the genius that is. Um, Rich Hickey, and he continues to blow my mind with all his presentations. And I look at all the stuff and I'm like, yeah, I just do PHP. This kind of sucks, actually. So, uh, <laughs> well, you know. Oh, yeah, what's he ever built? Yeah, well, Does he build a website? No, he, no. Just built, he just built a whole language, a Lisp language that sits on top of the JVM, and he built Datatomic, which is this cool little database thing. And now he's talking about transducers, and that's all this other shit that doesn't matter when you're doing templates for websites. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm bitter, 
So, Actually, uh, that part sounds so, cool. so I know that you did a blog post about Strange Loop because yes, I do stalk our guests. So, yay! So, talk to us about um, Strange Loop, uh, like kind of your experiences with it, because there's because t- to me there's kind of two stories, uh, two parts that I think are interesting. I think number one is kind of what you uh, what you saw at Strange Loop, but I think for me. And the main reason to get you on here, actually, despite my proclamation of earlier ignorance, is about how you were treated at Strange Loop, which I think is a much more important story. Awfully. Thanks for coming. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, first of all, I want to mention that uh, the only reason I got to go to Strange Loop is because they did these diversity scholarships this year, and um, I found out that they were doing this thing and the whole reason that I am not at conferences 24-7 is because well, I wouldn't be able to finish my game and that would be a bummer. Um, But also, I can't afford it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Now, maybe tomorrow some 10 billionaires will each throw down a million dollars on backing my game and I will never have to worry about financial troubles ever again, but until then, I only get to do things that other people choose that I get to do, which can be a bummer, but Strange Loop offered these diversity scholarships and I put myself out there and I was like, hey, this is me, I can afford to help with none of this, Um, also, I'm disabled and have all these physical limitations, which you may very well find to be impossible to accommodate, enjoy, and actually what I heard back from them was, we really want you to be there, and that was the first thing that was awesome, was not just, we will see what we can do, but we want you to come to our conference, Um, and then... Um, I was asked all sorts of much more penetrating questions about my physical condition and the very literal limitations that I have to deal with day in, day out. And then after I had done this email exchange um, uh, with Bridget, who is amazing and did fabulous work coordinating this whole diversity scholarship thing, she got back to me with this list of offered accommodations, which were so far above and beyond anything that I would have ever found within myself to ask for that I was just floored right there. Um, and it really, and it really just kept being that level of them beating my expectations. Um, when we were getting, when it was getting up to the the date of the conference, she got back in touch with me. She made sure I had maps. She made sure I had contact information for her. She made sure I had contact information for other people who were coordinating. She made sure I had all the information about my driver who would pick me up at the airport and ferry me between my accommodations at the hotel and um, events that I was attending for the conference itself and that was so amazing for me because being um, physically disabled I deal with a lot of chronic pain things that are perfectly easy for other people to deal with are like climbing a mountain for me and so just getting on a plane and going to a place that I'm not familiar with filled with people that I don't know and just putting myself entirely in the hands of strangers um, is a scary thing, but all but it was handled. Bridget handled the interaction with me so amazingly well and generously and thoroughly that I actually felt confident getting on that plane and putting myself entirely in other people's hands for a week. <laughs> and then when I got there, it was just so amazing. I was treated so well. Um, the the people coordinating the event treated me really well. And I'm also going to say the people working like they gave a heads up to the people that were working at the hotel they gave a heads up to the people that were working the opera house which was the event location for the conference itself and all of the people working in those places maybe st louis is just awesome maybe just the relationship between the conference and these um and these businesses were just awesome but the employees treated me well they checked in with me is there anything you need can we help you at all how are you doing how are you feeling can i carry that for you it was just really above and beyond i 
I was so well taken care of while I was there that I was simply floored. And every time I tried to assert, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving me this opportunity, thank you for taking such good care of me, every single time I was countered with, no, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Until eventually I just had to say, you're welcome. <laughs> and just in, <laughs> and just go off and enjoy myself because they were just – they just – beat my expectations more than I could have possibly imagined. And that just left me to enjoy the, the learning and socializing experience of the conference to the maximum of my very limited capabilities without having to stress about, am I being in people's way? Am, am, am I going to be trapped? Am I going to end up having to burden someone? It was made very clear to me that accommodating me was a matter of course, not, not a burden. And that was overwhelmed i don't i don't know if you guys have any experience with yourselves or other people being physically disabled but most of the time you're an unwelcome burden so this was such a reversal of my normal day-to-day experience that i it it was it was definitely a little bit of heaven it was freaking awesome wow that's great um that's really interesting i i I enjoyed it (laughs) that's really cool I have found I, I have often have had those feelings emotionally, but not uh, you know not because of a of a physical issue, but you know uh, it manif- I guess it becomes physical if it manifests you know things, but it's usually anxiety issues. And I was like, boy, that kind of sounds like some of the things that I know I get a little at least a little bit scared above. Mm-hmm. You know, um, well, one of the know. things they did that really touched me was they arranged for me to have my own green room backstage to where when I was overcome with the pain I could retreat into my own little private space like literally a little private room with an attached bathroom where I could just go hide and lay down on my back pad until I was up to being around people again and just and they thought of that I didn't think of that they thought of that and they just offered and I made use of that throughout the conference and it was it was it did good to my heart I'm gonna let you know it was just amazing well shit that's really awesome right yeah that's and great. not to mention, the talks were amazing and the attendees were amazing. But you can know that going in. You can you can read the list and go, oh wow, that is some amazing content. And you can look at the people attending and go, oh wow, those are some fun people. But for me, having that place made there for me so that I could take advantage of all the, that automatic goodness was was wicked special. That's really great. Yeah, that's really great. So you're going to be let down by True North. I don't think so. Chris has already let me know that he is personally going to show for me around to make sure that I can get from point A to point B, which is pretty freaking special. Nice. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think he's still on the call? I hope so. Why? Where else would I be? I don't know. I thought maybe you fell asleep or something. No. Why would? I? Wow. <laughs> That's nice, Ed. Um, <laughs> no, he just didn't say anything for a while. I'm just listening. It's, again, this show is about the guests. It's not about me. <laughs> Ranting and raving, I can do that anytime no, 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 with no. zero audience. So it, the, the, the show is about the, what the guest says, and then me making saying, "Oh yes, that reminds me of something about me," and then me talking <laughs> about me. That is what the show is about. Me, me, and more about me. Enough about me. How do you like my dress? Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's that's from an old. Uh, you know, I remember years ago, 
back when they still actually had the yellow pages and it was and it was actually a big deal. They used to have television commercials about the yellow mm-hmm. pages, and then one oh, yeah. time, and one time they had some people there, had a whole bunch of people at some party, a bunch of really like self absorbed people, like oh, you know, my second Maserati's in the shop, and this one, and then this one woman's talking. Someone says, "Well, enough about me. How do you like my dress?" <laughs> and then they stop, <laughs> and then they stop everything, and then they put on letters on the thing, Bing, vanity cases. What? Vanity oh. cases. People who are those? vain. The person oh, talking not be dressed. I get you. What's that have to do with the yellow pages? Yellow pages, you could find things. So they're saying you want to find vanity cases. Like you want to find somebody who's vain? Oh, Edward. What's going on? Like vanities for bathrooms? Oh, I That's what I thought you were talking about. I haven't seen one of those in like a million years but yeah back when i lived in texas basically every adult woman i knew had one of those things yep Yep. and they kept they would say things like i have to put my face on and then they would grab this little case and they'd go off to a bathroom and so i just imagined as a child growing up that that's that they had faces in there yeah it's uh skinned off other people (laughs) 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 who was the guy who did that was that ed Gein? Oh, uh, which of the serial killers that would make things out of people's skin? Yeah, I think Ed Gein did that. Didn't he make a face? He made lamps. He made lamps out of skin. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Let me see if I can find out. He was part he of the inspiration for... He didn't have a very healthy for... relationship with his mother. He didn't have a healthy relationship no. with anybody, as far as I can tell from his oh, <laughs> no. history. Didn't they kind of base uh, the Buffalo Bill character from um, Red Dragon, you know, the book before Silence of the Lambs, they kind of based mm-hmm. him on Ed Gein a, a little I bit. I wouldn't be at all surprised. I think I think it was. But uh, so strange, so strange loop. So strange loop. It's one of those conferences I've looked at that always looks like it'd be really out there and covering a bunch of stuff that is actually extremely different from what I do in my own day to day work. Um, but it's always like, man, it's far away. It's in St. Louis. And, of course, to fly anywhere from Canada is super expensive. And only these days, the only way I go to conferences are as if someone else is footing the bill. So it makes it kind of awkward. Um, I, usually I speak or, or <clears throat> to be really narcissistic, I created my own conference so I could go to one um, without traveling far. So um, Strange Loop does look really interesting. Like I said, my, my big thing has always been um, was that like Rich Hickey? That's where I discovered who Rich Hickey was by watching his videos about closure and his his approach on um, solving problems. Like he actually just it sounded like whatever he had done in his life, he had set himself up um, pretty good because he was able to actually before he started working on closure, he like he said he basically spent a year thinking. I mean, he would like sit there and sketch things out and, and talk about how he kind of wanted things to work and spent a whole year so that when the time came for him to actually implement closure, he had almost all the work done already. Man, um, that sounds so cool. I wish I could spend a year thinking about everything I ever had to do. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, <clears throat> that, that sort of, uh, I'm, not try- I'm trying to think of alternative lifestyle is not the correct phrase, but... Um, uh, a friend of mine that uh, that I know, his name is um, um, Joe Rainsberger. He's uh, uh, I know that some of the people who I follow on Twitter also follow um, Joe because um, I retweet his stuff all the time. And um, we're tired of it. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, no, you're, you're free to unfollow anytime you want. <laughs> uh, Joe has set himself up uh, quite well, and he actually does serial retirement. He will. Like he owns a house outright, so he's not paying a mortgage. Um, 
And he just basically, instead of, instead of choosing to retire at age 65, he set it up so he works for a while and then retires for a while and then works and then retires, works and retires and just oscillates between those two states. I think um, if you can't find a job that you love as if it's a vacation, that that, that the work and then retire and work and then retire thing is, is brilliant. That that's a brilliant way to make sure that you're still loving life. Yeah, because he's into the testing side of things, but he's more like a Java and Ruby side of things and Agile and uh, he's Agile and Scrum stuff. Um, but yeah, that's because I've had a few conversations with him about this stuff. And yeah, basically he sets it up. He's like, he knows how much money he needs to live the type of life that he, that he and his wife um, want to lead. And he just, what he does, he goes and works. And usually he goes over to Europe. Because um, that's one of the neat things about uh, I don't I don't know if the same rule applies for the U.S. But for Canadians, they can you can go over to Europe and work for six months without needing a work permit for up to six months without needing a work permit. So Joe will set. I keep wanting to call him Joey because when I first knew him, I knew him by Joey. He was in the same um, simulation baseball league with me back in the late 1980s. So that's how I kind of met him initially, and then we reconnected 20 years later via the power of the internet. So he knows exactly how much money he needs to do the lifestyle that he wants. So he'll just go work over in Europe for six months giving workshops and training and stuff and then he's like all right i got enough money and then they come back home um he lives in pei so come back to prince edward island and he relaxes for however many months he feels like relaxing and doing nothing and then gets back on the train again and does teaching does all this stuff and then comes back home and relaxes again bro so what will he do in the coming apocalypse uh, Coming? You mean the many apocalypse that are on us at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, it's it's a hell of a plan, and I would I would love to figure out how to make that happen for me, much to the consternation of my employer, I guess. But uh, <laughs> um, it is a very interesting perspective. Um, screw you so, guys. Yeah. Screw screw Evan and Rove. I just want your money. I don't care. And uh, um, but so th- just the thing with Rich Hickey um, kind of made me. I totally saw him. He was at the uh, conference. Uh, yeah, because he gave another talk. He talked about transducers, um, mm-hmm. which is again a concept that I don't think is at all possibly applicable to um, PHP, just because of the way PHP behaves. Um, but yeah, so this idea of like it's really you know to set yourself up so that you can like work a bunch and then relax work a bunch and then relax um and i i think people look at it as like kind of a lazy way but actually i think it requires a ton of discipline to actually pull it off to get everything lined up get your money lined up um and just get everything lined up so that you can say yep i'm gonna work and then i'm just gonna relax and do things that i feel like doing if it's travel or whatever and then i'll go back to work again and i, I often uh wonder uh if that's uh, if that's something I can make happen, I often I often plan for my future, and my plans get I write things down and they get scrapped all the time. It's part of it's part of how I deal. It's how I deal with anxiety and angst in my life by planning the future and figuring out what I want to do, and then figuring out how to get there. I don't have other people deal with their stress. I know a lot, maybe lots of people drink or do drugs or <laughs> or, or you know get involved in abusive relationships. But for me, um, the way I deal with my own anxiety is planning my future. However weird that sounds. That doesn't sound weird to me at all. That sounds like exactly how I deal with my stress. <laughs> uh, what What were you guys saying? <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so if you wanted to sum up Strange Loop for people, like you know, if they say them, if people are saying, you know, convince me about why I should set aside a week of my time and a bunch of my own money um, to go to a Strange Loop. Okay, well that that comes in two two parts because um, first of all, if you are female, a person of color, or are disabled, you don't have to set up a set aside a bunch of your money. You can just apply for their diversity scholarship, and you totally should if you are in any of those categories because, oh my freaking glorious! It's um, the reason anybody should want to get to go to this thing is because it's not. A narrow viewpoint. I love. I, I've attended two symphony conferences, and they were amazing because I learned a bunch about symphony, which is something that I use every day, and that is crazy valuable. But Strange Loop is valuable basically for the opposite reasons, because it's going to expose you to a bunch of really smart ideas that have nothing to do with anything that you've done ten thousand times before, and that's going to wrinkle up your brain in new ways. And you are going to benefit from that if you do any sort of creative thinking as part of your day to day work, because just being exposed to new ideas, new concepts new ways of doing things, new uh, new ways of problem solving that you'd never run into before, that's just going to limber up your brain and make it better at, at making creative jumps in the future. And wow, the people are also all brilliant and full of all sorts of knowledge that you just want to crack their skulls open and drink it down. It's, it's, it's awesome. So are we talking about serial killers again? Yeah, well, you brought it up. That's cool. We can talk about that all day, dog. <laughs> that and oh, really? Bi- that and Bigfoot. We could do a whole podcast about serial killers and Bigfoot. Shit, oh, you got to bring me back on for that one. I don't know a lot about Bigfoot, but I actually know a thing or two about serial killers because I went through kind of a serial killer phase where I was learning all about that all the time for no good reason. Okay, for purposes of plausible deniability, please don't say anything more on the podcast about about your habits and serial killer stuff. I don't what? I don't want I don't want to get that's subpoenaed, please. It's not a phase, that's a lifestyle choice. What are you talking about? Killing people's a lifestyle. No, no, you're just into people who kill people. <laughs> That's the weirdest kink ever. <laughs> well, it depends on if you're into people. Who Not them. all intellectual interests are also sexual interests. Of course they are. Don't de- don't deny it. Oh so you're sexually attracted to testing? That's really weird. That's right. <laughs> In the right context. You know, um, how could I? How could I have kept at it for so long if that wasn't the case? <laughs> Okay, I guess whatever works for you, man. Like with everything else, now I'm getting desensitized to a lot of test cases. It's got to get more and more extreme with every passing day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you sound like. Do you ever see? Well, if you haven't seen it, this isn't going to make any sense. But there was this. Uh, There's a really good documentary called Beyond the Mat about professional wrestling. Um, it really, it genuinely is interesting. I think even if you're not into pro wrestling, it's actually pretty darn interesting. Uh, it's it's old, so I mean, some of the things have changed and stuff. But like, they have a big, a, long, a fairly long segment on Jake the Snake Roberts, who you may remember from the nineteen eighties, the very famous wrestler. Yes, Jake the Snake. Yep. And it is about the most depressing thing you're ever going to see. And he goes on this rant, like about how marriages fall apart because he's on the road all the time, and it like keeps upping the stakes, if you know what I mean, and shit like that. And he's wow. like. I, have you yeah. seen that Darren Aronofsky movie? It's kind of like that. The rest uh, of yeah, it's mm-hmm. it, it, no. It reminded me a lot of uh, of of like that stuff where no, that's real life for these guys. For like <laughs> yeah, yep. they, 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 especially the Jake the Snake shit. 
and uh, he's like smoking, like he actually smokes crack on like fucking camera in oh, it and yeah. shit. Yeah, it's anyway. It's called Beyond the Mat. I believe the entire thing is on YouTube. So you should, but it really is interesting. But I think. but at least though, in the case of Jake Roberts, he actually has gotten his life together. Which yeah, is apparently good. he's he's, he's doing okay. A, yeah, he's he's managed to get hooked up with uh, Diamond Dallas Page, another um, former wrestler, and and uh, Dallas Page has built himself a little personal fitness empire through. Um, he started doing yoga. His girl, his wife, got him doing yoga after Page had a serious. Um, um, back injury from wrestling it got him back into shape because uh, Diamond Dallas Page is also a very interesting story he got involved in professional wrestling at a really late age he was in his mid-30s um, really? when he, got, when he wow. finally got some success which is usually uh, like 10 years later than everybody else <clears throat> at least and so he started doing yoga and um, he got all his core body strength back and um, and so he he had so much success that he's turned around and he was helping some of his former friends from the circuit get their lives back together so he helped out jake roberts um and um scott hall another wrestler for who is uh, another wrestler who was in wcw and wwf and all that stuff where he played uh, razor ramon among some of his other roles and he was scott hall when he was in wcw um with um uh, with the other guy, Ken. What the hell is his name now? The other guy. His other partner all the time. Big tall guy with always long hair. I just can't remember his name. Um, anyway, doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, so he's so Diamond Dallas Page has helped out uh, Scott Hall and Jake Roberts. It was an interesting segue over to talk about Beyond the Mat. Um, yes, the, the realities of being a professional wrestler are, um, are terrible. Um, these guys abuse themselves um, all in the name of entertainment, which is... We kind of abuse ourselves on this podcast too, but not not physically anyway, just emotionally, mm-hmm. just emotionally and mentally. Okay, so strange loop. Yes, um, yeah, because you know it's definitely if you're the type of person that believes you should go to conferences uh, about in the same kind of field that you work in, but on topics that you don't normally deal with. Then yes, I, it looks like strange loop would be something that would definitely open your mind to interesting new um, possibilities. I mean, it sounds like you had a hell of a time, Margaret. Oh, my goodness. It was so much fun. Um, it, Joe Armstrong talked about the mess of programming, and, and there, there were just there were a bunch of incredible talks, but, like, for me, it was really weird going... I got, I, got, I don't know, geek starstruck? Like, I kept being like, oh, my gosh, I know who that is. Like, and that's what actually happened to me uh, with Rich Hickey. I was in a different talk. I hadn't... I had accidentally... I accidentally left my schedule in my hotel room the first day. So I'm, like, having to, like, borrow other people's phones to figure out where I need to be next and stuff. And I don't have the schedule in my mind. And I'm in this talk, and there's this guy in the audience. I'm like, I know that guy. Why do I know that guy? Because I don't know anybody here. Why do I know that guy? And then the talk ends, and he keeps raising his hand and asking questions, asking questions. I'm like... And eventually, I'm just like... I know that guy because that's Rich Hickey. That's why I know him because I have watched like half a dozen YouTube videos about this guy with this guy explaining things to me. That is why I know that it is. So like that was that was my geek celebrity moment. I was just overcome like, oh my God. Yeah, there was. And I, then later I embarrassed myself by going up and introducing myself to him and telling that story. <laughs> I think that's awesome. That's exactly the story you should tell. <laughs> 
I often I, I know that when I'm at conferences and people come up and talk to me, I always I always tell them that uh, I always tell them like don't get creeped out just because you're talking to a speaker because I think people get really weird and they don't want to and they get reluctant to approach people um, at conferences. So I always tell them don't don't get creeped out. I'm just I said I'm here as the conference same as you. I just happen to be speaking. That's all. One of the things that was cool was um, because I was part of the diversity scholarship, they, sh- they shipped me in for the whole pre-day, which meant that I was in the halls and mixing with people um, before the big, scary, oh my goodness, I'm never around this many people conference started. And I ended up, and then there was the party the night before, I ended up like getting to know several people that it turned out later were speakers, but I didn't know that when I was getting to know them, and so it wasn't really that big a deal, and that was kind of awesome. Did you ever just like wander up on stage while they were talking? No, but almost. Um, I I had been there. I had uh, several really amazing conversations at the Strange Loop party the night before the official conference started, and um, I had and one of the people I had talked to, they're like, "Hey, catch me at breakfast. We can keep talking." And then I had they, I hadn't seen them at breakfast, and so the whole time for a day and a half, I had my eyes open for this person that I wanted to keep talking to. And then I walk into a talk that I had been really looking forward to seeing. It was um, the Internet of Things in Practice. It was a really great talk, and there. Standing behind the podium is the woman I've been looking for for a day and a half, about to give her talk. <laughs> and so nice. I kind of walked straight up to the podium. I'm like, oh my God. And like, I bubbled at her enthusiastically for a second. And she was like, lunch is right after this. Let's go to lunch after this. And then I sat in the front row and, and we went to lunch afterwards. And that was awesome. So yeah, kind of. I, I almost wandered off, wandered up onto the stage to talk to someone. That's wonderful. <laughs> I had a great time. That's good. I know my ego often likes uh, people talking to me when I'm uh, speaking at a conference, but I quickly get over that part. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, somebody else wants to talk to me. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> you got to bring your A game, dude. That's right. I try to bring my A game all the time at, at conferences. I just realized, I, you know, Ed, I was thinking about this the other day. I think mm. I'm, I'm coming up very soon on having given 100 talks in total. Wow. I think I'm very close to that. Ugh, that is so boring. Does yeah. that mean that you're about to be syndicated? Is that how that works? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, if, if I'd recorded all of them, yeah, I'd be syndicated. It means, <laughs> it means maybe I need to stop talking at conferences, I think is what it means. It's starting to cut into my magic gaming, so I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you should just tour the circuit. That's right. We're going to do the cat skills next year. All right, so we're looking to think. Oh, one more. So talking at True North PHP. Yes, for those who aren't sick of me talking about it yet. Um, my wonderful PHP-centric conference, True North PHP, is coming up um, in a couple of weeks. Actually, in just a month and a bit, I would think. What day is it today? The 2nd? It's of, the 1st. Is it the 1st of October today? I'm sorry, because my yes. calendar still is on September on the wall. Um, yes, November 6th, 7th, 8th. Or if you are... Uh, in the greater Toronto area or within, I don't know, let's call it four hours drive of Toronto, you should come to my conference. It is the only PHP-centric conference in Canada. If you're in the West Coast, fly on out. Tickets are still cheap. We just ended our early bird, so tickets, ticket prices have gone up. You can check things out at truenorthphp.ca. Um, Three-track Three tracks of awesomeness. We treat our speakers really, really well, as Margaret is going to find out since she is going to be speaking. Um, you know, 
it's a, it's quite a small conference. It's probably be it'll probably be close to 110 to 120 people, um, plus our speakers. So um, third year that I've been doing it. Uh, things were looking kind of dire early, but a few sponsors have stepped up to smooth things over. So um, I won't be having to sell any of my magic cards to cover <clears throat> to cover overruns. So this is good. This Thank is, God. This is good. Thank God. That's right. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing a bunch of my friends and making new friends and just, uh, you know, uh, watching people get knowledge dropped on them, which is always fun. That's the reason I like doing these things. Is um, I, I know people have talked about this. There's the the great, the, the dark network of programmers, which are, <clears throat> I think if you look at them, what would you say the percentage of people of, of like working programmers that go to conferences and like participate in the communities surrounding their tools of choice? What would you think it is? One percent? Two percent? Think it's higher? Think it's lower? I, I don't think it's. I think it's one or two percent. Yeah. What about you, Margaret? What's your guess? I don't know. Well, it's okay. You don't have to have an answer. Well, yes, you do, but you don't have that one. So, Figure it out. That's right. So, I mean, it's interesting when I think about it, I pour all this energy into community outreach and conferences, both organizing them and speaking at them, to try to reach a really narrow um, group of people. Um, I don't know. It's, it's 1%, all this work for the 1% elite of, of a particular community. I often wonder... Um, I struggle to figure out good ways to engage more people, to get more people. I guess it comes down to like caring about the the craft of doing the job of, of I mean, for me, programming is, is, is a career for me and something I enjoy doing. And I know there are lots of people for whom the uh, programming is just a job. They come in at nine, they leave at five, and they're, and they're using their job to fund the life that they want to lead, which is fine. Zero, absolutely nothing wrong um, with that job. For those that want more, that's where getting involved in the community and conferences and stuff, um, I think, really kicks in as a way to kind of um, make yourself better I, th- I think it would be extremely difficult um, to kind of level up your skills as a programmer without being in contact with other people who are who who are looking to do the same thing. I guess it's hard for me to say because I have had so little exposure to programmers who are not active, volu- like self-identifying members of the of the community uh, of the greater community. And once you're talking about somebody who self-identifies as part of the community, you're talking about someone who enjoys learning new things, who enjoys like connecting with other people in their industry. And and so I've I've, I've gotten a very skewed view. I went from not even knowing that there was such a thing as a community to basically having that be my main interaction with other programmers because I don't have I don't have a job I have a bed that I am confined to at a laptop that allows me to contact the outside world and so I don't have any I don't know any workaday programmers I don't know anybody that programs because they punch a clock I only know programmers that are a little bit passionate about it and and so that totally skews my my view of the world hmm it's interesting. I mean, I've worked with people for whom programming was just the nine to five thing, um, and didn't didn't even you know wouldn't touch a line of code outside of work hours, and didn't do personal projects on the side or 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 get involved in stuff like that. And it, it always, I mean, it seemed weird to me because that's not how I am. Because I enjoy this sort of stuff, so it always kind of made me feel feel weird, you know. Yes. Definitely. I don't know how I would talk to somebody who was just like, yeah, I code for a living, but I don't really care about it. I'd be like, how do you do that? 
how do you how do you stay up on your stay up on your game enough to to get better all of the time if you don't care about it and they're like get better all the time and I'm like oh I'm uh, we are aliens I cannot communicate with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it's interesting because I think this is um, one of not a whole well I guess I don't know. I guess I just see a lot of people who don't do, who aren't, say, developers, uh, who they have jobs, but they aren't necessarily particularly passionate about it, you know? And, um, like, it's something that they would do all the time anyway, you know? I, I don't, I don't, you know, I often don't see a whole lot of that. And I think one of the things I realize is that I feel really lucky that I get to do something that I enjoy doing. And I happen to live at a time uh, that it's a valuable enough skill that people are willing to pay a decent amount of money for if you're halfway good at it. You know what I mean? Oh heck yeah! yeah. And I, th- I think people that I think people that are passionate about coding sh- should remind themselves every so often how lucky they are to have a craft that they can be passionate about and be paid for because you know that has a lot to do with the luck as to where you were born in space time. Oh yeah, definitely, absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's en- that's enough about talking about True North PHP. I think um, you know, I encourage people. To come. Oh, except that everyone, no matter where they live, should totally buy tickets and go because I'm giving my <laughs> first conference talk and I'm very excited about it. <laughs> yes, what are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about the Symphony Two framework, and basically, I'm going to attempt to sum up everything that you need to know in order to develop with the Symphony Two framework into the confines of my talk. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty ambitious plan for your first talk. Well, I've already given this talk at my quote-unquote local PHP meetup. It's actually three hours away from where I live, but it's as, it's the closest PHP meetup to me, and the people that run it are stupendously awesome, so they let mm-hmm. me practice my talk in front of the group, and they say it went really well. So I am confident that I will at least manage to convey a little bit of knowledge, which is the goal. Yeah, why you got to be such a bummer, Chris? It's how I'm. It's how I'm wired. Yeah, that's fair. It's the brand, man. He can't not be grumpy. Man, you know, I get all the time, Chris. You're not so grumpy in person, but like, I think I gotta punch somebody out at a conference once just to <laughs> just to set the tone properly. Yeah, we could fake it and make something happen. <laughs> I, have a, I used have a, I used have a to blow up at the conference. Yeah. There you go. I used to teach. I used to te- when I when I took care of kids back when i was more physically mobile i spent a lot of time working with kids because i love that because teaching people things that want to know things is an awesome experience um i used to teach uh theater fighting because Mm. because it's it's a skill and uh boys six to twelve adore this skill and will basically uh, follow any obedience rules and learn anything you want them to learn if you will teach them stage fighting and yeah i used to do that a lot so if you want to fake something up we could have a massive throwdown at one of the conferences it could be huge it could be awesome i can teach you how to use lightsabers that's what i'm saying well that sounds pretty cool <laughs> uh, it does sound interesting i'm just it's prisoner of branding sometimes i get upset when people meet me and i like i do favors for people and people are like oh chris isn't so grumpy i'm like man i'm just tired of it's a role i play to sell books it's like it's like if i was an actor i'd be like you know i am not dr drake remore okay i'm just an i'm just this person that plays him on a tv show so 
I, yeah, cannot, but I cannot diagnose your audience I can, to be a little confused. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be really weird if I met a code rabbi and he wasn't a rabbi. That would freak me out. But he is a rabbi, so it is very. That's what I understand. Because <clears throat> I have met him, so yes, he is a. Okay. He is a, he is a rabbi. He, he could have just been like putting it on the whole thing. That that would be disrespectful in so many ways. I think Ed, if 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 he, <laughs> if he was just putting it on, it'd be the greatest con job ever. It um, would. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so true North people. So we're going towards our final thing. Where thank the Lord because I don't have to have him tweeting at me or yeah. asking me stuff via instant message. Ed has a new job. Yay! Hey, so golf, golf clap. <laughs> so talk about the poor deluded people that hired you. Um. So I'm working on a a, a product called Legal Server. Which is a uh, like case management software. Barely legal server. Barely legal. Uh, just turned eighteen. Server. Um, yeah, actually, it just turned like twelve. I think it's been around like a little over ten years. And um, so almost legal. Yeah, that got pretty gross. Actually, I really kind of regret saying that. Um, no, you don't. Yeah, I, I kind of do. Actually, I, I wonder if this is going to be a sequence that's going to be edited out. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, leave it in now it's funny <laughs> leave it in we'll, we'll 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 fix it in post yeah fix it in post uh so I, I, yeah and so it's case management software for um legal aid and pro bono uh organizations that basically that you know nonprofits in general who uh who do that kind of work uh for folks who typically don't have the money to be represented you know in the legal system and uh, so that's the product they make, and it's the the company is uh, is uh, they're sort of branded separately. But the there's an overall company called uh, Network Ninja, which uh, is uh, probably not the name I would have picked, but it's been around since 1998 when it probably was cooler to be a ninja, and it had, didn't have all those uh, sort of uh, recruiter uh, branding issues. Uh, now, now I'm probably going to alienate everybody I work with. They're going to be <laughs> mad at me for saying this, but um, yeah. Uh, so they make a couple of their products. They make a, another one called Collaborate, which is kind of similar, uh, but that's, that's that's for other sort of nonprofits to coordinate volunteer work and things like that. And another thing called Main Event, uh, which does some stuff with uh, some marketing or something that I actually don't completely understand, <laughs> but apparently it's doing very well. Uh, so that's, we're all glad of that. Uh, so, uh, so again, the thing I work on is legal server uh, and it's used by about 150 uh, organizations uh, in the country. And uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's kind of cool to work on something that, you know, uh, helps people, uh, you know, get legal representation for folks who, you know, typically would not be represented very well in, time, in the terms of the legal system, inside the legal system. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. Um, I'm just kind of getting, it's, it, the application itself is massive and very, it's been around a long time, like 10, 11 years, right? So um, it's, uh, it's big, and it has grown organically, and there's a lot to do. <laughs> and uh, so I, this is my third week. I'm in the middle of my third week, and I'm certainly still uh, learning massive amounts. Uh, it'll take a long time before I feel comfortable, I think, with it. But uh, it's a good group, a good group of people, and uh, I'm excited about it. So uh, I'm excited, but I'm not terrified of letting people down. So... <laughs> 
that uh, that's uh, yeah, that's kind of what's going on with it. And uh, generally, I think it's going real well. Awesome. So there you go. Awesome. Yep. Po- awesome and awesome. and if I I also the funny thing is that actually I found out about this job from a listener to the podcast. Sweet. I know. Pretty cool. And uh, he was like, "Hey, we got an opening." <laughs> was that, is that, I was like, "Is that the actual conversation?" You just used to <laughs> talking. He says, "Hey, hey, we got an opening or something." Yeah, right. <laughs> something like that. Right. Please, uh, please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. Uh, uh, so we're not on the same team. He works on main event, I believe, but. Uh, but yeah, uh, a, a super cool dude, and uh, it's really nice uh, that we got to do all that stuff uh, cool. together. And uh, so it is—it's pretty neat that like uh, uh, Ryan, uh, why couldn't I think of his name? Ryan um, uh, was a talked to me about it, and it was just like you know I was evaluating a bunch of different you know possibilities, and he talked to it, and it just worked out. This you know it was a good thing, and. They're based in Chicago, so it's not super far away from me, but I still work remotely. So, uh, yeah. So other than that, it's kind of the same thing. I'm still working remotely, doing all that stuff. Have you Living been? The dream. I was going to say, have you Living been? Have dream. you been to the offices in Chicago yet? Nope. Nope. They tried to uh, tempt me with Pac-Man last <laughs> week. No, not Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Jesus Christ. Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. Oh, that's an important distinction. Yeah, it's a very important. I'm. I know these things. Jeez. <laughs> Donkey Kong. I don't even. Pac Man came out of my mouth. It's so embarrassing. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, but no, I haven't been up there yet. But uh, I think most people are not in the office typically. Uh, they have lots of remote people. So, yeah. Then they are doing it correctly, and we applaud them. Yay! <laughs> awesome. So, anyway, that's what's going on. Well, so I'm glad you found something, Ed. That's cool. Yep. Sounds like a cool. good sounds like a good fit. As a one last little aside before we wrap things up. Um when you mentioned about like a large application that's grown organically over time. Um there's a sci-fi novel um that I read in the past um and I need to reread it cuz it was really good by this author uh Werner Verge. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Uh this mm. the it won the, the, this book it's called uh, A Fire Upon the Deep and um it's a really weird way out there, sci-fi story. It also won the Hugo Award and the Nebula, which is awards, which are awards they give out for science fiction books. Um, yep. And so one of the things that had it dealt with space travel and also where a, a spaceship crash lands on a planet where um, the dominant um, species are um, like three-headed fox dog-like creatures that communicate um, telepathically with each other and so so one of the storylines is that the 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 fox things find out that there's some weird tech on this spaceship and one of the factions they're kind of stuck in almost like medieval times so they find out wow they have these weapons that we can use to wipe out our enemies so they're trying to so they're trying to get onto the ship and um and steal stuff, but there's a, but there's a side thing to it. Whereas they're traveling around, where's it? Yeah, I think I think it's in this book. God, I hope I'm not confusing it with another one that he did. But when they're traveling around, there's there's uh, there's engineers on the ship uh, that have to figure out the software, and the software is like centuries old. And there's different layers, and it's an interesting thing as they talk about having to um, shift through the layers of the code to try to figure out how to fix things on the ship. 
Yeah, yeah that's pretty accurate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of interesting. I'm, I know it's a Werner Verge story. I'm pretty sure it's A Fire Upon the Deep is the name of the book, but um, if I turn out that I'm wrong, we'll... Well, I don't know. Issue a retraction. We'll, fix it in post. we'll put. A, I'll add a retraction and an apology to the show notes. <laughs> but I know it's Werner Verge for sure is the author. I'm pretty sure the book is a fire upon a deep. I know I've read a few of his stories. I may be mixing two of them together here because it's been a while. But um, but yeah, I talk about the engineer trying to decipher the code, and I'm I'm trying to remember. There's something where they had to like. <sighs> Where the engineers had to augment their intelligence to deal with certain parts of the code. I'm thinking like they could temporarily make themselves super smart or conversely super dumb to understand how something is supposed to work um, in the code base. I can do that with caffeine and sleep debt. Yeah, well. Uh. Yeah. It's funny. I Actually, I find that um, I drink coffee out of habit. I don't find that I need a coffee to get going in the morning, which is kind of weird. Maybe I'm just not drinking enough coffee. That's probably what it boils down to. Maybe instead of one pint of a pint a size latte, I need to have like a gallon latte in the morning and that caffeine will get me going. It could also be because I'm 6'5 and 260 pounds. It takes a lot of caffeine slammed into my system to do something. Yeah, see for you, a blood alcohol level of like you know, 1.0 is probably what you need to get drunk. <laughs> I should tell when when you're up here uh, uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll have to tell you my uh, Amy Winehouse story. You might give you oh god, might give you a perspective on me and blood alcohol levels. But uh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll share the story with I'll share the story with Margaret too. It'll be our little special um, Dev Hell only. Um, <laughs> story. Yeah. Although I think I may nice. have told it to other people, but it is kind of interesting. But anyway, I think we've reached the end. So I think this has been episode number 51 of the Development Hell podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank our guest, Margaret Staples, Dead Lugosi, um, on tw- on the Twitters, if you want to start shouting at her um, due to mm-hmm. her association with us. Uh, so, Margaret, thanks so much for setting aside some time to join us today. We thanks should- for having me. This has been a lot of fun. It's been super fun. I think it's been great. <laughs> it has been good and makes me want to go to Strange Loop sometime. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, uh, we should thank our sponsors. Too. Yes, please, Ed, thank our sponsors. I would like to thank our sponsors. Um, uh, offload.io, which is this cool invitation-only thing, or you can request an invitation to get in up on it. That's like a marketplace for designers and developers to... Uh, uh, find gigs uh, and share things that they have for subcontracting, things like that. Uh, so that's a neato thing that you should get in there. Offload.io. You check that out. And then uh, the other thing is uh, uh, Reeve. Reeve. Is that Reeve? Row Avenue. Uh, Roa. Uh, um, Rove. Rove, who are fine purveyors of PHP stuff. Um, and they uh, know how to uh, program on computers. And they can use things um, to, uh, uh, to make forms. And... Um, Put things in a, a, a database, and then uh, get uh, get out of the data the database, and uh, they make that for you. Rove.com. <laughs> 
how sponsors keep giving us money, I have no idea. But we appreciate uh, all the efforts that our sponsors put in because the sponsors actually help to offset, um, despite what people think, this this highly entertaining podcast does not happen for free. So um, thanks very much to our sponsors for helping us out. So again, this has been episode number 51. You can find every single episode that we've ever done on our website at devhell.info. Uh, including uh, posts for every single episode along with show notes. Uh, if you listen to us via iTunes, um, please, 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 please rate the podcast. We use it to figure out whether we're doing uh, whether we're doing a good job of entertaining and educating people. Um, you can. Um, Excuse me. You can find the you can find us on Twitter at dev underscore hell. You can find me on Twitter. I'm grumpy programmer without the U. You can find Ed as Funkatron with the U. Uh, our wonderful guest Margaret Dead Legosi. Um, she is criminally underfollowed on Twitter. Please sign up and follow her and boost up her her follower account. Uh, so that's all for now. Thanks very much, and we'll be talking to you soon. Hopefully, we'll see some of you at True North PHP. Good night, Internet. Play my game.